welcome to Karate Kid Master Dojo. This is Master Craig. How's everybody doing today? I hope your week is doing fine. I just want to take a moment to thank you for listening to my podcast. And in case you're joining us for the first time, I am Senior Master Craig Greca. I am a sixth degree black belt in the universal martial art and a fifth degree master in the Taekwondo martial art. And I'm here today to talk to you about the teachings and trainings inside the Karate Kid universe. And that includes all the Karate Kid movies and the Cobra Kai Netflix series. Now, um, today's uh, topic comes to you by the fine details inside the Miyagi-Do Dojo in Mr. Miyagi's house. Okay? Um, Mr. Miyagi's house was always really cool in all the movies. Um, he had an outside uh, garden and dojo uh, with bonsai trees, and he had the flower beds um, nice and um, framed around them to make them look even better. Um, also inside of his house, he had wood trim and or a wood shiplap inside the house, which gave it that nice rustic look. Okay? So today's topic is trimming up the house, trimming up the house. So um, in my childhood home, um, my father did not focus that much on the trimming of the house, uh, mostly because uh, we could not afford it. Um, the oldest of six kids and wood trim, you ever been to Home Depot? Trim trim is expensive, okay? Um, you go down the trim and molding um, uh, row inside the Home Depot, and um, for example, uh, you go a little bit further down, and you got the you got the wood boards. Okay, now the wood pine boards, like a one by four or one by two, you can buy those for like five bucks or seven bucks for the whole board. Okay, but you go down to the wood trim area, sometimes it's two or three dollars a foot. Okay, so tr uh, trim and molding can get really expensive really quick. You know, you go there and you buy one 10-foot board and it's 20 bucks or more, okay? So that's probably one reason why he did not do it that much, okay? Also, too, he did not have the time with all the major things that needed work around the house. My dad was a jack-of-all-trades, but uh, there was always something that needed his attention. And I can sympathize because, um, um, you know, currently at my house, uh, the same thing happens to me. I'm um, following in my father's footsteps because I'm kind of a jack of all trades and I can do most things around the house without hiring it out. Um, but there's always something that needs my attention, always. Okay, so um, I guess just knowing how to do everything, you're always the guy that, uh, the go to guy. So, um, anyways, uh, one of the things that I, I had kind of an analogy here uh, for trimming up the house. Um, this is. Usually I, I, I do something within my personal history here, but I got something that goes a little bit more further back because um, when I was a kid, uh, everybody's kind of different. You know, um, um, I, loved, I loved art when I was a kid. Um, and I used to like to color a lot. Um, one of the things that I do when I color is I like to trace the outside the lines first. So just, in, well, just inside the line. I uh, trace just inside the line, and then I fill it in with color, okay? And that's the way I've always done it, and that's the way I tackle my projects as well. 
and it's an analogy to how you do your house as well. So the trimming is kind of like the framing for the beauty that you have contained within. So um, in trimming up the house, you can think of it that way and take the extra time to, uh, to do the trim work. So anyways, um, the work task. The work task for trimming up the house is as follows. First, you go to Home Depot or Lowe's and you buy the trim. Okay, now, one of the things that you can be a smart shopper about is you have to really look at the trim because sometimes there's a price, there's some of them are a price per foot and some are a price per board. Okay, so um, right now I'm trimming the floor inside the uh, the house. I'm putting cord around around uh, where I put the plank uh, vinyl flooring. And um, I found uh, some some boards that were the price per board. They're like uh, eight or nine dollars for the whole board. Um, so the price per foot um, was sometimes about the same, but sometimes a little bit cheaper. So you got you to gotta, really got to do it with the calculator um, to see which one's better for you. And you also have to make sure that you get the stuff that you really want. So it looks like what you designed it to be. So anyways, you uh, buy your trim and then you, uh, when you bring it home, you have to measure your space. So you start from one, one wall and you measure your space and then you cut your trim. To fit. Then you have to make sure that you cut your corners because the trim has to meet up in the corner. Um, so you have to cut those at 45 degree angles. So using a miter saw, you have to cut at the top part of the corner and cut it down so that the both both um, both of them meet. Now, one thing that I like to do is I like to, if I have a longer board, I like to cut the corner first. And then go and trim, make sure the corner fits, then trim it out if I can, if I can do that. That's a little bit more of a safeguard so that when you cut your corners, you don't shorten your board. Because you have to make sure you measure correctly and you have to cut it properly on the miter saw. So you have to make sure you get right at the top corner there. If you cut just a little bit too much off, you're going to be short on the other side. So you have to make sure that you do that. Um, so after you get your corners and uh, your trim all in place, you can lay it all out there and it looks nice. And then you're like, okay, uh, you test it out, make sure that everything's working all right. And then you go through and you nail or glue it in, okay? In some places, you're going to have to use silicone to uh, glue it in because it's near a bathtub. Like I can't, I can't nail into a shower or to a tub. It has to be glued there, okay? Um, otherwise, if there's wood trim existing there, then I can nail it in with a glue with a nail gun. Okay, so I have a nail gun, so I'm going to go around and just and just go ahead and put all that uh, that trim work in there. Um, when you're all done, of course you have to go. I have to do the entire house. So you have to go around and, and see everywhere that it needs to be done, um, everywhere that it looks good, um, and then when you're when you're done, you admire your work. And you say, well, it looks good, you know, and then uh, clean it up and keep it nice. Um, so it's not, it's not too, um, not too time um, sensitive, um, intensive, I meant, on the trim work. This, the, the fact of the matter is it's kind of a tedious job. So it takes a while because you have to do a lot of finish work. When you do a lot of finish work, it takes a lot longer because you have to be very calculated 
as to how you cut them and nail them in. Um, because once you're done and you get in the rhythm of it, then you can keep on going right through the whole house. Now, the hard part is when you go around corners because there's a lot of cutting to go around a corner. Uh, doing the big, the big areas, you can lay a 12-foot piece down all the way along a wall and say, wow, this isn't too hard. But then when you get to the place where it wraps around, uh, like the hallway, and it wraps around, you get all those little pieces to do, and that's where it gets time uh, intensive. So it sounds simple, uh, but it's really kind of a tedious job. So anyways, um, <clears throat> part of the martial art practice for trimming up the house is something that I saw in a movie recently um, called Enter the Warrior's Gate. Okay, it's a kid's movie, a martial art kid's movie. It's kind of a charming little movie, and it's uh, kind of cool. But one of the things that the warrior was teaching the, um, the uh, kid how to do martial arts is he talked about a circle defense. So he had him up on this rock, and he had his arms out in a circle, okay? So I'm like thinking, how could I teach that in class, okay? Because it sounds pretty cool. What the circle defense is all about in a practical uh, application is that anybody that enters into your personal space. So I chose this one today because of the work task of framing the house and trying to outline your house, your walls, your floor in order to outline them. Um, the circle defense also works in the same way. You make kind of like a uh, a dance space in front of you with your arms, like a circle, kind of like you have a full belly, and um, anything that comes within your personal space, you block. Now you can block, after your personal space is outlined, you can block anything that comes into your personal space using our circular blocks. So for example, if you have a, a circle defense here, you have your hands sort of up, then from here you can do an open hand outward block, or an open hand inward block, or an open hand low block to uh, block that circle to make sure that no matter what happens, now we, we say the same thing in class. One of the things that I say in class is no matter which direction you go, you have to adjust your stance so that your stance is still a very square one. So it has the optimal um, balance, optimal strength for you to fire back, and so on and so forth. But this circle defense, is a little bit different perspective because it comes from the, the perspective of the blocks. And the blocks are, is that you have to matter where you turn to, your circle has to change. So your circle that stays in front of you changes as you step back or step at a 45 degree angle back or take that back foot and slide it behind you uh, more. That would, um, uh, round, it would cause your circle defense to modify. And as long as you keep that circle, then you have the optimal defense. Um, we do a lot of circular blocks in the UMA and CKD programs. Uh, but also, too, one of the things that I'm going to say kind of boldly here is that the students in our martial art, the students don't learn some of the other blocks until they get to be higher belt. So it is in your best interest as a martial artist to complete your first degree belt, and then complete your second degree belt. 
because during the second degree belt, you're learning a whole bunch of other complex blocking that is really good for your defense. Really good. Okay, because you're going to learn, uh, you learn about six blocks in the, in the color belt, and then you learn another nine blocks in the black belt. So anybody listening to this, I highly recommend that you go to those upper levels because um, you will be a much better martial artist with a much better defense. Now, um, sometimes in class, certain classes that I do, I let students do a couple of those higher level blocks to show them, like if we're doing an exercise, the front hand palm low block, when it comes down, you can also use to grab the leg and pull it and push it aside. So sometimes in certain self-defense applications, I will encourage people to use that block and some of the other black belt blocks when necessary. Okay, um, So that's, that's always a part of my practical application when it comes to martial arts is incorporating some of those uh, in, in there. Now, one thing that I, I have not done much and uh, this is going to be kind of a new topic for me, is the trapping of arms, okay? The trapping of arms, okay? So, in fact, um, my daughter has to do a speech, uh, probably, we're probably going to do it tonight, and part of that speech is that she's going to defend herself from a knife. So I'm going to attack her with a rubber knife, and she's going to defend herself and, sh and, and do a one-minute speech on how to, how to defend against a knife, okay? And one of the things that you do with the knife is you trap arms, okay? And you need to trap arms, especially when it comes to knife defense, because you want to make sure that the knife stays uh, very far away from you so that you don't get cut or stabbed, okay? So we don't do enough trapping arms in our martial art, um, but I'm going to develop this a little bit further um, as a point of this podcast, I'm going to start developing that further to use uh, for self-defense because I think that that would be very um, good for people to learn. The only thing bad about trapping arms is if anybody has any kind of wrestling experience, um, they have an easier time with this than a martial artist. So sometimes if a martial artist is a striker, okay, because most of our martial art is, is designed to be a striker, and there's nothing wrong with the striker, just like there's nothing wrong with the jiu-jitsu person, okay? Um, it's just different methods that they use to defend. So I've seen in UFC fights um, what happens a lot. Um, when the, when the uh, Gracies first came on the, on the scene, they started uh, using a lot more jiu-jitsu, and it was uh, messing up a lot of fights, according to the um, UFC, because the all of a sudden, this whole new line of people would come in, and they'd get you in a submission hold, and then you tap out. Um, but since then, uh, they've, people have gotten used to it, and they know how to get out of those certain holds. So it's equalized back out again. In fact, the last two or three of the women's champions that I've seen have been strikers. So there's nothing wrong with striking versus grappling. It's just the different methods and how they do it. Okay? Some people say one method's better. Some people say the other method's better. Uh, but I, you know, just like everything, you know, it, it really depends on the individual and uh, there's no one martial art that's the best of everything. So, um, but anyways, um, getting back to uh, trapping arms, uh, I think that it'd be fun uh, to do. I think that it would be very uh, good.
good for self-defense, um, but you just have to make sure that you're cautious as to going to that method, choosing to go to that method in certain situations. You know, for example, let's say that um, a smaller, more petite, um, five foot to five foot four female decides to do this uh, grappling arm stuff with a with this guy I saw at Home Depot the other day was probably six four and probably weighed about two fifty, two thirty, two forty. Big guy, muscular guy. <laughs> that's rough. That's a, that's a big. That's a hard one to to make work. You know, if you trap his arm. You could just laugh at you and move it anyway. So you have to kind of choose when you're going to use certain at certain parts of your martial art. It might be better to keep them at bay and use your legs, you know, to kick, take down the uh, the structure, so to speak, with the legs and stuff, kicking him in the legs. So um, you have to decide when. So another part of our martial art training that involves circles and also framing is our circular kicks. Okay, so just like the circle defense, there's also kicks that are more circular. Okay, uh, for example, the outside and inside combat-ready crescent kicks. Both those work really well. In fact, in our American Ninja Warrior program, we teach an outside combat uh, crescent kick that works pretty well. Okay, um, we do use that kick straight-legged in stretching, but they learn how to use it as a combat kick um, in the um, Ninja Warrior Martial Art. Um, also, too, uh, spinning reverse swing kicks or spinning hook kicks are a great circle kick to do. Okay, so um, that's a good, um, if that one, circle that one. And then also swing kicks. Swing kicks are also good swing uh, circle kicks that you can do uh, that come around. In fact, sometimes we teach the swing kick um, as a all like bringing the, the kick all the way through like a 180 just for fun and then the kids spin around in a circle and come back to their stance so it's a complete circle when they do it that way we do that with the knee strike the round knee strike we also do that with the swing kick and the crescent kick the inside crescent kick we do those three versions and those are a lot of fun uh, the only bad thing about it is sometimes kids will continue to do it in normal class when I'm not doing the special kick. So I got to sit there and remind them that's not how we typically do the kick. It's just that's how we do it for fun um, and also to increase your range of motion on that kick by doing it that way. So because uh, some kids will never pivot. Once they learn how to do the complete circle, they'll start pivoting their swing kicks more and learn how to loop it. So anyways, all the martial arts stuff that I mentioned today, you can practice it about 10 times each technique, your, your different blocks. Um, you can also practice your circle kicks um, um, 10 times each, the ones that I mentioned. As far as the trapping arms ones goes, that's something that's going to be really hard for me to describe on the podcast. So I'm just kind of throwing it out there that we're going to start teaching that in class. And then once we do, then I'll start uh, trying to describe the motion inside the uh, podcast here so that you guys know how to do it. But anyways, a uh, couple things real quick. Um, remember that we're here every week because we're trying to in order to fully learn any kind of martial arts or karate you have to unlearn your misconceptions about what constitutes training okay for example um i just cleaned out the garage yesterday and i can't tell you how many deadlifts and squats i did picking stuff up okay and then of course later on in the day 
my lower back was uh, feeling strong. Okay, I had to stretch it out a little bit because I had been using it all day. And that's just part of the martial art training. So I got the garage cleaned and I got my lower back strengthened all in one day for my martial art. So a couple things real quick, just to remind you that we have the universal martial art stickers in class that you can pick up and put on your safety gear. We also, too, are going to get ready to order the Karate Kid Master Dojo stickers. They're coming up. Okay, so um, I kind of did the Universal Martial Art ones first, and I've sold over half of them already. And I use that as a vehicle to getting our Karate Kid Master Dojo stickers. Okay. Um, the secret word or phrase today. Okay. Um, I um, kept this simplified, what I really wanted to say, but what it is for the kids is color the lines first. Okay, so color the lines first. Remember, that's only one perspective. Um, I've, done I've done art classes where he told us to start in the center and color our way out just to get out of that mode. But as far as uh, martial arts and as far as, you know, Japanese gardens and, um, you know, the Karate Kid, the, the uh, Karate Kid movies and Mr. Miyagi, uh, they tend to outline things first and frame your artwork, okay? So color the lines first, then fill it in with color and beauty. So um, remember that we're here every week learning martial arts through everyday work, thus creating life around you, increased productivity, and a better world. I hope you guys enjoy your day, and of course, of course, enjoy the rest of your week. This is Karate Kid Master Dojo. This is Master Craig. Take care, everybody. Have a great day. Bye-bye.